Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Playing in the first round near home would have been nice, but a lot of us think we ended up with a good draw in the Western region. Our guest today thinks Michigan has a good chance to make a Final Four run. Brendan Quinn from The Athletic Detroit will join us in just a moment on this week's game day segment. First, a few news and notes to get us started. It's been a great winter for us on the Michigan sports scene, and it only gets better this week. The men will begin NCAA tournament play on Thursday evening in Wichita against Big Sky champs Montana. The women did just enough to get into the ladies' big dance and will play in the Waco Regional on Friday against Northern Colorado. Hockey fell to Ohio State on Saturday in the Big Ten semifinals in overtime down in Columbus, so they'll rest this week and find out where they'll go in the NCAA tournament on the weekend. Wrestling will be well represented this weekend at the NCAA championships down in Cleveland. It will seem like a redo of the Big Ten championships. So many entries from the conference battling for individual and, of course, team championships. This is what makes March such a great month if you're a Michigan sports fan or a sports fan in general, especially college basketball. There is so much to watch. Front and center, though, will be Coach Beeline and his team. We have the late tip on Thursday in Wichita against Big Sky champion Montana, as I mentioned, at 9.50 p.m. The Grizzlies are a tough defensive team. Uh, they like to get their hands on you and play very physically. But Michigan's defense isn't too shabby either, as we've seen. My guest today says this is the best Michigan defense he's seen from a John Beeline team in all the years he's been covering the program. And he likes their chances of a good run in the tournament. Brendan Quinn from The Athletic Detroit joins me next on our game day segment here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Back with us on our game day segment as we talk NCAA tournament, Brendan Quinn from the Athletic Detroit. Great to have you with us, Brendan. Mike, always my pleasure, man. Well, a lot of fans, uh, Michigan fans, were hoping we'd stay home and start it off in Detroit, but it's Wichita on Thursday, and uh, overall, pretty decent draw for us, Brendan. Yeah, um, I think I think the bracket is is pretty favorable for for Michigan to um, you know make a real run at this thing. Obviously, that the Final Four is the goal. Um, and the when you look at what some other teams are facing, um, I, I think I think Michigan's setup is is pretty decent. You know, all things considered, I, I know that the big focus is put on um, the fact that that Michigan missed out on a, a possible couple home games in Detroit. But you know, the flip side of that is Michigan State is going to Detroit, but Michigan State also might be facing Duke in the Sweet 16. And if I had to pick between those two options, I'll take Wichita. Uh, amen to that. Well, the first round games are always interesting and dangerous. We've seen that often uh, through the years. What do you know about this Montana team we're going to see on Thursday, Brendan? Their play starts in the backcourt. Um, I mean, first of all, just traditionally speaking, Montana is a 
historical power in, in the in you know the, the, the out west in the Big Sky. Um, had a number of, of very very good coaches come through there. Uh, Judd Heathcote got his start at Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a place that that has you know won and is is used to winning. Uh, Mike Montgomery coached there. Stu uh, Merrill coached there. Wayne Tinkle, um, the guy who's at Utah now. Uh, I always butcher his last name, but uh, Larry Kostowiak. Um, mm-hmm. He, he's the best player in program history. He coached them to the two NCAA tournaments. Um, so this isn't a place that this is a, you know, huge, um, huge moment, you know, the, the big bright lights that they're not used to, uh, you know, Montana has been there. So um, in terms of the, this team itself, though, starts in the backcourt, uh, two guards. I, I spoke to an opposing big sky head coach last night uh, after the selection show to kind of get a feel for, for what Montana does. And, he described their their two guards as as pit bulls. You know, one six one, one is six two. These are guys who who like to kind of get up in you a little bit, really disrupt you. Um, Ahmed Rory is a transfer from Oregon, and Michael Uguin, I believe it's how you pronounce it, O G U I N E. But he's a six two guard. These are guys who aren't great shooters, but they're fearless and they can score and go get buckets and they attack you. Um, so, so everything kind of starts there and they have, um, they have another decent piece uh, in Jamar Akoa, A-K-O-H, who is a um, kind of probably a borderline high major player. Uh, the coach I spoke to described him as maybe, you know, a rotational type guy who, mm-hmm. who could get minutes in, in a high major league. So, um, you know, they're, they're good. They play pressure defense. It's kind of like a mid-major version of Illinois. Um, should be an interesting matchup, but uh, they don't shoot w- well. From what my understanding is, I think they will be facing a pretty significant mismatch in terms of defending Michigan's stretch bigs and, and the high ball screen stuff that Michigan does. They just don't have mobile bigs to really kind of operate um, on that perimeter defense um, when Michigan really spreads you out. So, um, I think Michigan's a double-digit favorite for a reason, right? Well, I think so, too. And, uh, you know, it's dangerous to look ahead, but let's just do that for a moment. Getting by this first-round game, Montana, if Michigan does. Saturday, you get mm-hmm. the winner of Houston-San Diego State. Uh, two decent teams, uh, but on paper, Houston looks like the uh, the much tougher team for Michigan. Yeah, I mean, everyone seems very high on, on, on Houston, and I'm hearing... How, how, how tough and gritty Houston is and that they can get up and down and they can score. I personally have not sat down and watched a Houston game this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, frankly, it sounds like a lot of people are suddenly experts on Houston, <laughs> who I don't know how many people watched Houston basketball this year, but apparently it's a lot more than I thought. So um, uh, a lot of people are high on Houston. Uh, I'm sure it's very, very good squad. But, um, you know, if we're talking about a 36-hour turnaround, um you know, I think I like John Beeline on that prep over Kelvin Sampson. And, you know, the fact is that the American, yes, Wichita is good. Cincinnati's good. I don't know how much was really there in that league um, in, in terms of just how good Houston is. Um, you know, that their record is, is very strong, obviously, but um, I, I, I kind of need to see it. I think that's one of those games in the first 10 minutes you'll know you'll know in the first 10 minutes of that game 
if if this is if Houston is the real deal. Well, let's say you get through the first weekend uh, by uh, whoever it is, and uh, it gets more interesting. We know that it's out to L.A. Uh, the winner of the Charlotte Pod, which features North Carolina, Texas A&M. Providence, very dangerous team, and Lipscomb. So we could see a North Carolina rematch. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Providence, though. They are really, really a good team, Brendan. Yeah, I mean, North. Uh, I'm sorry, Providence. Providence beat Xavier twice, and Providence beat um, Villanova. Um, you know, that that's a dangerous team that will not be intimidated by North Carolina. Um, North Carolina has a lot more length, probably more talent, certainly more pros, but you know, Providence has has a very legit senior point guard uh, in Cartwright, who's not going to be afraid to go against Joel Berry. Um, you know, Ed Cooley gets those guys to really play over their heads in some bigger games. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think if I had to take a flyer on a second round upset, um, I do like Providence to, to maybe pull it off against North Carolina. Obviously, that would be the best case scenario for Michigan. Um, but you know, I just think when I've seen North Carolina this year, it's, I see it, I see the team that should be a national title contender. And then other times I just kind of shake my head and I get a little bit confused by it, but they have a lot of pieces. They have pieces that, you know, weren't really even in place when, when Michigan played them earlier this year. But, you know, if Michigan does get North Carolina, um, I certainly would expect it to be a very different game than their first meeting. Well, if Michigan does get North Carolina and gets by them, uh, you get to the West Finals where it could be against Gonzaga or, I don't know, Ohio State if uh, if they get out of the first round. Who knows? But that Gonzaga matchup, that is a team. I don't know if people are sleeping on them, but they have so much talent and depth. Yeah, they had to reload from last year. They are dangerous. Yeah, I mean, the potential Elite, elite Eight matchup, whether it is Gonzaga or Xavier, um, gives me pause for sure. Um, I do not like Ohio State. I, I don't I don't know if Ohio State gets out of the first round. Um, I, I think they are a team that could get upset. You know, guards win in March and you know their guard play just uh, I, I've said it all year. I mean they they've won a lot of games and a very impressive turnaround, but they were kind of a team that I just had circled basically since February where I said, you know, whoever they get in the first round, they're going to see some mid-major team, and I'm probably just going to go ahead and take a flyer on that team. And lo and behold, they fall into a 5-12 game with South Dakota State, um, a team who's been there before. And uh, I think I think they might be ripe for, for an upset there. Um, but you're right. I mean, a, a, an eight, elite eight game, uh, if it is Gonzaga or Xavier, that'll be quite a matchup on a turnaround for Michigan um, and, and actually both teams, you know, if, if Gonzaga has to get through Xavier, Xavier has to get through Gonzaga and Michigan has to get through North Carolina or vice versa. Those are going to be teams who played some real games. So, um, I mean, I, I'm not ready to put Michigan in the final four, but um, I think that would be a great basketball game. And I, I would certainly love to see Michigan Gonzaga in the elite eight. Two part question for you, Brendan, what makes you think Michigan can make a final four run and what makes you think no way it's not going to happen. The fact that they can win without without having to shoot, you know, forty five percent and make twelve threes, you know, these things that kind of in the past have always been attached to this team. I, I do like that they can win ugly, and I like that they can win on an off night. Um, so that's really hard to do in the tournament. But um, I, I do think Michigan, if it has a if it has a you know four or five game run in it, I think it can have that one stinker that it, it that it pulls out. Um, you know, that very well, maybe that's in the first game. 
that's really good. And, and I like that they are reliant on seniors who have who want to take big shots and can make big shots. Um, you know, Duncan Robinson and Muhammad Ali Abdur Rahman are just guys right now who are in the moment and, and they seem to be kind of thriving and getting these opportunities. And, you know, Mo Wagner is a, a big stage guy. And can he play four or five games um, in a row at, at an exceedingly high level? I'm not sure about that. But, you know, I, I bet he has a game or two in him like he had against Louisville last year. Um, you know, when that comes, if that comes, will, remains to be seen. But, you know, these are the pieces that get them to the Final Four. Um, in terms of what could hold them back, you know, everyone is exceedingly high on Michigan, as they should be. But this team did almost lose to Iowa mm-hmm. in, in its opening game in, in New York City. And, you know, if, if they lost that game, would, would people be talking like this right now? I, I, I don't know. I, mean, I think they'd probably be a four seed. Maybe they could have even fallen to a five seed. Um, but it would just have a lot different shine on it, wouldn't it, if, uh, if they had dropped that game. Now, to their credit, they didn't. But um, this isn't an infallible team um, that – they did lose to Northwestern late in the year. Um, they can sometimes just struggle um, to score the ball, mm-hmm. and if that happens, you know, obviously at any at any given time you can you can drop a game, but um, you could make the case that some guys have been playing over their heads a little bit, um, especially in New York. People are, are acting as if John Teske is going to come out and, and do what he did against Isaac Oz <laughs> in the NCAA tournament. Well, he very well might. Don't get me wrong. This is not no offense, but okay, I, I'm not banking on that, and I don't think anyone else should bank on that. Um, Xavier Xavier Simpson's one of the best stories in the country right now, and is playing a, a beautiful brand of basketball. But is he ready to go do that in the right. NCAA tournament? I have I have no idea. You know, I mean, his pace and rhythm and his comfort level that he's playing in have been outstanding. But it's a different deal when you get to the NCAA tournament. And then, of course, there's foul shots. And, you know, is it going to finally bite him in the ass? Uh, you know, I've seen it happen to other teams before. So um, I do think they have it figured out a little bit in terms of how to maneuver through those closing minutes. You saw it in the NCAA tournament where they basically went to a three-man game on one side of the court and just put Xavier and Charles Matthews on the opposite side of the court, completely out of the play, and almost ran like a three-man weave with the other guys on the court until someone fouled them. So I think you're going to see a lot more of that. But, um, you know, it, it in late in games, that's where it's going to be a lot between the years. And right now, when it comes to free throws, I don't know what Michigan looks like between the years. Yeah, big question mark, no doubt about that. Well, the Big Ten got four teams in, fewest in 10 years, Brendan. Any part of you surprised Nebraska or Penn State or both were left out? I wasn't overly surprised just because it it seemed like it was trending that way for a while. However, I was on on with, um, in studio with with Sam Webb and uh, former coach Charles Ramsey this morning on WTKA. And Sam made a point that I, I hadn't thought about, and I think it's a great, great point. And it's if Michigan State is a three seed and and given um, you know a spot in Detroit and obviously the committee valued its resume and gave weight to the 29 wins that it won. If that's the case and if Michigan State is a three seed with the non-conference schedule um, 
or the non-conference wins, I should say, that it has. Yeah, you can make the case that <laughs> winning 13 games in the Big Ten should probably be enough to get you in. You know, if that if all things are equal, and that's the value of, of the overall value of, of what a Big Ten schedule looks like, um, you can make the case. You can make the case for for a Nebraska and a, and a Penn State, but um, you know that's that's revisionist history in terms of what what could have and should have happened. But I mean, I, I was I did not think that Oklahoma should be anywhere near this tournament. Um, I think that should you know if anything it should have been Oklahoma State in that in that spot. Um, I think it's a shame that MTSU was left out. And I even look at a team like St. Bonaventure who got stuck in a play-in game. And St. Bonaventure, for St. Bonaventure to be in a play-in game and Oklahoma to be safely in the field as a 10 feet yeah. just blows my mind. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, it all gets underway this week. My opinion, your opinion, the best time of the year, Brendan. Uh, the only thing we really mm-hmm. can predict is the unpredictable will happen. So uh, we'll see starting with the play-in game uh, right on through the weekend. It's going to be uh, our favorite time of the year. Our guest today has been Brendan Quinn from The Athletic Detroit, who does such a a great job covering Michigan and the Spartans. Enjoy the madness, Brendan, and I look forward to reading your coverage uh, of the tournament and getting you back soon. And I look forward to talking to you after the season. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. On Quick Hits today, thanks again to Brendan Quinn for being with us. He's a busy guy this weekend. As always, we appreciate him carving out some time from his busy schedule for us. In other news, Big Ten co-pitcher of the week was freshman left-hander Megan Bobian. She posted a 3-0 record over the Wolverines' perfect FAU Parents Weekend tournament appearance last weekend. She posted a 0.93 ERA with 25 strikeouts and a .122 opposing average over 15 total innings pitched. She tossed five scoreless innings with seven strikeouts against host FAU last Friday before claiming both wins on Saturday, boasting a career-best 16 strikeouts against Ball State and three perfect innings to win in relief against Pittsburgh. Michigan is 18-6 and overall and will move closer to home this weekend when they play in the Miami Invitational down in Oxford, Ohio. After that, it's time for Big Ten play to get started. They are ranked number 22 heading into this weekend's action. Baseball will be at home this week, even though the weather won't be that great. On Tuesday today, they'll be playing against Oakland. Wednesday, it's Lawrence Tech. Then a three-game weekend series with Bowling Green. They have a 4-10 record heading into this week's action. Don't forget our free show apps are available from the iTunes and Google Play stores. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a moment to rate or comment on the show. Thank you in advance. We will have this month's Michigan Man Extra for you next week. Uh, Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports will be with us for another recruiting update. The class of 2019 already has five verbals, and this weekend some big-time targets will be on campus for a visit. So as always, there is plenty to talk about in the recruiting world. I'll give you a heads up on Twitter and Facebook when the show goes live next week. And of course, we'll be back next week on our regular day, and hopefully we'll be talking about a trip to L.A. in the Sweet 16 for Coach B and his team. My scheduled guest is beat writer James Hawkins, 
from the Detroit News, so come on back next week and listen to James. That will do it for another edition of The Michigan Man. Thank you for taking time to join me, and make sure you tell your friends and family about the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!